Well, last week we took on the prayer of petition and dedication. From what I've heard from most of you, you got a pretty good handle on all the things that are involved there and what's happening with, with those two. We had some good, uh, good time in the question and answer period afterward. But today we're going to be looking at the prayers of supplication and intercession. Supplication and intercession. To find out what these, these are, well, let's just go over here to First Timothy chapter 2 first. It says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, <coughs> prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Amen. Now that's four different things that he's speaking of here. The first off, supplications, mm-hmm. prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. So by him mentioning all four of these things in one verse, we know that these four things are different from each other. Amen. They are not the same. <coughs> Supplications are not the same thing as what he's referring to as prayers. Prayers not the same thing as what he's referring to as intercessions. Intercessions not the same thing as what he's referring to as giving of thanks. But then he puts something interesting on the end here. Be made for all men. The prayer petition and the prayer dedication are prayers that you make for yourselves. The prayer of supplication and the prayer of intercession are prayers you make for others. And so there's different rules that go on there. You need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for others. Now we're going to look at a passage of Scripture before the night's over where Jesus prayed for Himself and prayed for others and prayed for people who didn't even exist yet. So we'll look at that and, and see what we can learn from, learn from that. But therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we have to understand what these are. Now to get into the Greek, there are times that the English translation takes the word supplication and translates it prayers. And times... That now generally there's one word that's mostly used for supplication, but at times we have a second word. Actually, only in Hebrews we have a second word that comes in. And you could really spend time looking at the Greek and get nothing out of it. Now, you know I like Greek and I get a lot of things out of Greek, but on these words, they're taking words that were not necessarily made for describing these kinds of prayers. And they use those words. So we didn't really have a whole lot to learn from the Greek words that they picked to tell us the differences. We could see some differences between it and the Greek words, but what's going to be more helpful for us is if we look at actual examples of people who did these prayers. That's where we're really going to see the difference and what we are supposed to do with them. So we broke this down into two things. Now you notice in your outline there is no application at the end. And that's simply because there's an application at the end of each of these. How to use that prayer, and there's no sense in putting an application at the end of it. We put the application there because you certainly got to know what you got to do with what you have. Otherwise, why'd you get it? You know, it's like Radio Shack. Don't just get stuff, do stuff with it. <laughs> we don't want you just to get knowledge. We want you to do something with it. That's why we usually have that on there. But it's not there tonight, but it's still interwoven in here, and you'll see this at the end of each of these. But let's take this on first. What is intercession? In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 through 25. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, meaning Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable 
priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The subject of those in mind here that Jesus is ministering to are the unsaved. In verse 25, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So this is the subject of this verse. Those who come to God through Him. Intercession is to bridge the gap between God and man. Intercession always, always, always. Everybody say always. Always. Involves bridging a gap. If you are not bridging a gap, you are not interceding. You must bridge a gap. Jesus is the great intercessor. He bridges the gap between man and God. An intercessor must bridge a gap. If there is no gap, there is no intercession. That's basically the easiest way to figure that one out. So for us to be interceding, there must be a gap to bridge. Has to be a gap. Otherwise, we're not in the inter- interceding. And if we're not interceding, we're not following the rules of intercession. Too often, we, we mix up supplication and intercession. There are very different rules for each, and there's very different purposes in each. Sometimes churches would have intercession meetings. Brother Hagin used to exhort us about that. Churches would get together and have intercession meetings. He said, that's ridiculous. If you have a, if you're going to have a prayer meeting, have a prayer meeting. Include all kinds of prayer. Don't just limit it to intercession. He said for most people would have intercession meetings and they would be supplicating and interceding and petitioning and dedicating and all that sort of stuff all in there. But they call them intercession meetings. Well, you may as well get it right if you're going to do it. Now, two groups here we can intercede for. The first group is the lost. We can intercede for those who are lost. The sin nature causes a separation. For, the, for those that are lost, they are born into sin. And that sin causes a separation between them and God. Now, please note this. This is really important to understand how intercession works. Hostility can be involved. When you get involved in the prayer of intercession, hostility can be involved from man or from God. You better know who's hostile. When you get involved in intercession, hostilities can... Now, I didn't say have to be involved. But they can be involved. You can sometimes intercede and there's no hostilities. Please do understand that. But hostility can be involved in intercession. And you have to make sure that you, do, you take care of that. There are some people... We'll put it the, this way. Paul when he was Saul and he was going around killing Christians. Do you think there was a separation there, right? Between him and God? Did he need an intercessor? Was there some hostility? On whose part? And? You don't think God was hostile towards Paul? He's going around killing his kids. Is God hostile towards Paul? Absolutely. Absolutely hostile. Here's another case. Now, it's not mentioned there. So you say, well, you're kind of stretching that one. No, I'm not. 
Go into the Old Testament. And Moses is interceding for Israel. Is there hostility? Jeremiah intercedes for Israel when they're in idolatry. Is there hostility from God? Has God been hostile towards some of the kings of Israel? Oh yeah, they got some of that going on in it. Yeah, God, God can get hostile towards sinners and towards fallen people, fallen believers. He can get hostile, especially if you come after those that are His. Now you can repent. I'm not saying God's hostility will be forever. But the Word of God does say there are six things the Lord hates, yet yea, seven that He abhors. Well, if people are doing those things that He hates, what do you think they get? What happens in the book of Revelation? The wrath of God is poured out. Can you have wrath without being hostile? Alright, do we need to go on on this? <laughs> God can be hostile. And when you are interceding, you can sometimes encounter the hostility, either on the part of God or on the part of the person. The intercessor must deal with the hostility. We'll get more into that as we go on here. So the intercessor must address the hostility. Got to address it. Otherwise, you're not interceding. I mean, if you become, if you run inter, uh, become an intercessor for two people who are mad at each other and you ignore the hostility that's between them, are you a good intercessor? You're not dealing with the issue. You've got to deal with the issue. And sometimes you run into people that are mad at God. Now, I'm not coming to God. He killed my, my daughter. He killed my son. He took my father. They, I mean, God didn't do that. But they think He did and they're hostile to it. You've got to deal with that hostility. And if you're interceding, you've got to deal with that hostility in prayer. So we have intercession for the lost. We have intercessions for the saved. You can intercede for the saved. Can a gap be, be created between those who are saved and God? Absolutely. Now we're going to see this with Moses. When Moses intercedes for Israel in the wilderness, are they not God's people? And yet Moses has to stand in intercession for them to preserve their lives at times. God says, step aside. I will destroy them and make of you a great nation. He had it. Moses had to get in and intercede. God one time said, all right, I'll spare them, but I'm not going with them. I'll send my angel, but I'm not going. And Moses intercedes again. And he says, no, Lord, if you don't go, <laughs> you're not putting this off on me. You're going. You said you're going, you're, you're going. And he's dealing with the hostility that God has. Now, I'm not telling you that God's bad for having this hostility or that we had to talk God out. That's not it at all. But God has certain aspects of His, His nature. Righteousness, protection, and sometimes his, his protection for his people rises up. When Abraham stands in the gap and intercedes for Lot, he has to intercede for Lot because Lot has fallen. There's a gap between him and God. And so he intercedes for, for Lot. And he says, Lord, would you destroy the city of Sodom if there are 50 righteous there? Well, up till then, God would have destroyed the city for 50, even if there were 50 righteous in there. So he says, all right, I'll spare the city for the 50. Well, if there's, you know, if they're five short. Well, what if they're 10 short? 
And he bartered all the way on down to ten righteous people. And God says, all right, I'll tell you what, I won't destroy the city if I find ten righteous people in there. And God didn't find ten righteous people, so he destroyed the city. But he interceded. And God went in there and got Lot out. Lot had been caught up into the sin. He wasn't following after God the way he was before. He needed an intercessor, and Abraham was that intercessor. Covered that gap. There was hostility. Not necessarily God was hostile toward Lot, but Lot was in the city that God was hostile toward. whole lot of hostility goes on there. Moses warns people, get away from that group of people. God's hostile toward them. Step away. And the people, if they don't want to listen, don't want to step away, guess who's going down too? Guess who's getting burned up as well? There's hostility that's there. Daniel, in chapter 9, I believe it's chapter 9, intercedes for Israel. And they're, they're, they're still God's people, but he intercedes for them, pleads for the forgiveness for the sins and, and so forth. Well, he's interceding for those that are saved. You can intercede for those that are saved as long as there is a gap present. And when there's a gap present, you, that gap needs to close. That gap needs to close by one party moving to the other. Somehow, some way, that gap has to be closed. And the intercessor fills in the middle part until the, uh, the two parties can come all the way together. So the separation cause must be addressed in intercession. This is something you've got to deal with in intercession. What caused the separation? There's three things I wrote down in your outline that can cause the uh, separation. I'm not telling you that this is the only three things. You may come up with another fourth or fifth, but this is pretty inclusive. I'll put it that way. It's pretty inclusive as, as the thing. First off, hostility. We already covered that one. Sometimes people get mad at God and go in a different direction. Sometimes they do things against God and God goes in a different direction from them. So hostility can be involved. Do understand that Saul did things against God and God got hostile towards Saul and moved away from Saul. Moved towards David. Got someone else in, in there. Samuel was the intercessor on that for a while, but after a while God says, get up. That's, that's it. We're done interceding for this boy. You need to move on. I have. Hostility is the first one. Ignorance is the second. There are some times that there is a gap just because people are ignorant. They don't know. There's a gap between some people and God simply because they're ignorant of His ways. They're ignorant that He is the way. They think that any way will go. Any way will work. And there's a gap that's there. And you need to understand they're, they're not hostile towards God, but they're ignorant of some things in God. So when I go into intercession, I've got to take those things into consideration. I've got to deal with the ignorance. I'm not dealing with hostility. I'm dealing with ignorance. God's not going to get hostile towards sinners unless they're doing something against His kids. And even then, He'll still save them and forgive them. As long as they repent, He'll still save them and forgive them. God even forgave Ahab. The stuff He did. Would have uh, forgiven him more if he would have walked in, the, in that way, but he didn't. But ignorance can be a problem. So you can pray in your intercessions about that ignorance. But you've got to know what it is that's causing the gap. If you were going to be an intercessor for that, you need to find out what is the thing that's causing that. So sometimes you need to talk to the party involved. Sometimes you need to just find out from God. God will, God will give you revelation on it. But you need to know. You can't just sit there like some people want to do and say, Oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, bring them back to a place of repentance. Oh, it's, you know, you can cry out all you want to and groan all you want to. It's useless. 
It ain't going to do any good. You'll never find an example in the Word of God of anybody who did that. So I don't know why we are. They had specific reasons. They had things they came to God with. No, God, don't do that. Don't move this way. Father God, do this on their behalf. Show them this. Move this way. And he, they prayed specific things. They knew what the hindrance was and they dealt with it. Hostile. Hostility. Ignorance. Third one is complacency. They may know to do something better, but they just aren't doing it. They are just, they're just not going that way. Complacency. In Romans 11, 1 through 3, I say then, has God cast away His people? Has God cast away His people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know that the Scripture says of Elijah how he pleased with God against Israel? Saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. Now, here's reverse intercession. <laughs> Elijah is not trying to bridge the gap. Elijah is trying to expand the gap. <laughs> Lord, look what they've done to your prophets. They killed them. They tore down your altars. I'm the only one left and they want to kill me too. Go get them. <laughs> he, he wants to stir that thing up. That is not a good intercessor. This one's not helpful. Now, God rebuked him, so it seemed like you know God didn't need him to come on in there at that time. He could have come on in there and done something to bridge the gap. And God says, you know what? You're going about this all wrong. That's not how you do this at all. Go back and read about Moses. Don't you see what Moses did with this, in this situation? You're, you're just not, not doing this right. He, he rebukes him somehow, but anyway, he's, he's interceding against Israel. That's not necessarily the way that you want to go. That's not good... Uh, Good stuff. But there we see that they were doing something. There was hostility. There was ignorance. But those are the three things you're going to find. Hostility, ignorance, and complacency. Again, you might find something else you can add on there. I think this list covers most of the things. But there may be something else that you can come to and, and throw that in or God may show you. But you've got to deal with what has caused the gap in intercession. You've got to know what caused the gap, what brought about that. So sometimes before you can intercede, you've got to pray and find out what caused the gap. What is the gap we are dealing with? Because until you know, you don't know how to access God on this. Because your role as an intercessor is to access that part of God who did that. When Moses interceded for Israel, it's not that God wanted to destroy them, but God's righteousness was brought up so that he needed to wipe them out and start off with a new group. And Moses says, no, 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 we need, to, we need to hold off on this for a little bit. Remember the parable that Jesus told of the person who had the vineyard, I think it was. And they came up to this tree and this tree was not productive. And the keeper of the vineyard says, you know what? Because the owner wanted to chop it down. He says, chop this tree down. What good is it? It's taking up space. It's taking up room. Let's put one in here that does some good. Let's just get rid of it. And the keeper of the vineyard says, no, hold on a minute. Let's just wait. Let's give it another year. Let me get out there. Let's fertilize it. Let's, uh, let's get it going. And then we'll see what happens. And if it doesn't ha- produce, then, then we'll cut it down. Well, that was the job of the intercessor. He's bridging the gap. There was hostility between the uh, owner of the vineyard and the tree. And he acted as an intercessor and bridged that hostility that was there. No, hold on a minute. Just give it a little bit more time and we'll, 
And we'll see. I mean, if we can make this tree productive, it's a whole lot better than starting over with a new one. We've told you the story, the other, other parable he gave, where the neighbor came over for bread. He knocks on the door at midnight. Are you going to go over to your neighbor's house at midnight? Knock on his door and ask for bread? Would you do that? Most of you wait until the morning, wouldn't you? Most of you just go out to the Wawa, 24-hour grocery store, something like that, and get it yourself. You want me to go over there to the neighbor's house and bothering them with, with bread? But that's not what happens there. Of course, they didn't have Wawa's and, and uh, 24-hour grocery stores and such things, so that's, uh, they had neighbors. And so he goes on over to the neighbor's house to ask for that. And at midnight, then he knocks on the door and he says, come on back tomorrow, I'll get it for you then. And he's not taking that answer. And he pounds on the door some more. No, no, I have my, my guests are here now. I need it now. I mean, how, would you, how many of you would just, you're just going to get some people upset with this. And this neighbor's getting upset. Hostile. Getting hostile. Yeah, it's, I don't want to be doing this right now. And when you looked at some of the things for intercession a long time ago, was we looked at that, but we saw that the neighbor knew that the person next door had bread. And that the person coming to his house needed bread. So he was acting as an intercessor to go get the bread of life from the neighbor who always had bread for the person who needed the bread. The neighbor didn't go because the neighbor or the, the guest didn't go because he doesn't know the neighbor. Someone has to go who knows the neighbor, who can access it. That's why you are the intercessor who comes in and you access that. So it's a great parable for, for intercession where he continues to, to plead because that, that parable is not teaching you how to pray for things. Because that would go against what the Word of God teaches us in the prayer of petition. That's not what it is. You're there on the intercession for behalf of someone else. You're not asking for bread for yourself. You're asking for the bread of life for someone else. That's the role of an intercessor. And so even though there was some hostility there, they overcame the hostility. And they got the bread for the person. That's the role of an intercessor. That's what one needs to do. So you can go back and take a look at that parable as well. I didn't put that into our outline for us to cover. But it's certainly something you can go back and look over and check out. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in His hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, what's he talking about with intercession here? What is this exactly? Well, we were putting your outline this. There's a lot of blanks in this one, but you can get them all, I know. <laughs> this is a prayer for those not walking in the plan of God as they should be. Not walking in the plan of God as they should be to get past the obstacles that hinder them or have altered their way. To get past the obstacles that hinder them or have altered their way. Now, really, all intercession would really be encompassed with this. 
that intercession is a prayer for those not walking in the plan of God. As they should be. They're either not walking in the plan of God to be saved, God, for God desired all men to come to a saving knowledge of Him. To get past the obstacles that hinder them or have altered their way. Now, what he's talking about here in Romans 8, he says that God has predestined you. He has laid out. When He called you, He laid out a way for you to go. But how many of you know that, that many of us have not followed that way? We're not going in the direction of what He has called us into. We've gone into other, other places and other, other, place, other things. And there's intercession that needs to go on. But here, we cannot intercede for ourselves, can we? Because that would be a different prayer. So what He says is the Spirit takes hold of our prayer and He intercedes for us, through us, because we have not walked in the plan of God the way we should because we don't know it. We're ignorant. Most times we're ignorant of that, which is one of the hindrances. We're not dealing with hostility in this type of intercession that's being spoken of in Romans 8. We're generally talking about ignorance, generally not even complacency. It's just ignorant. I just don't know that that's where I'm supposed to go, that that's what I'm supposed to do. So the Spirit takes hold of my ignorance and prays through the Spirit, through tongues, and praise the things that I do not know to get me to be in a place where I, where I need to be. To close that gap between where I am and where God has called me. That's where this type of intercession is coming from. So we just wanted to make sure we covered that verse because that verse would seem like it was different from the other stuff that we had talked about in intercession, but really it's not. So intercession is a prayer for those not walking in the plan of God as they should be to get past the obstacles that hinder them or have altered their way. One more thing. Hostilities must be discovered and dealt with. Hostilities must be discovered and dealt with. If you have hostility from God to them, you must deal with them according to the Word of God, according to the will of God. Father, just like Moses did. You cannot destroy them. No, no, no. You can't do this. This is what you said in your Word. All right, Moses, I won't do it then. That's what you got to do. That's the role of an intercessor. This is not an easy role. This is not a role for the timid. It is certainly not a role for the ignorant. Though a lot of ignorant people take up this type of prayer. And they just pray and groan and moan and do all sorts of funny things that we're never, not really told to do. You can lay on your, your face and groan and moan and deal with that all day long. You haven't interceded. Just made a whole lot of noise. But people have found, gotten great satisfaction out of laying on their face, groaning and moaning. Well, I interceded today. Ask them the question, who did you intercede for? How did you bridge the gap? How was the gap created? Were there hostilities that you were dealing with? Was there ignorance? Was there complacency? And most times they'll tell you, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about all that stuff. I just pray as God was leading me. No. Find an example. We gave you several examples in the Word of God. You find one who just led by, just prayed as God was leading me. No, they all knew what to do, what to pray. They all knew how to pray. And they got in there and they did it. And most times you see intercession in the Word of God, folks, they didn't spend hours. Most times they didn't have hours. In the case with Moses, he had minutes sometimes. He didn't have hours. 
God was mad. <laughs> One time he, he tells Aaron, get out into the camp. The plague has started. <laughs> mm. What was that? 140 some thousand, 170 died within before he even got all the stuff done. I mean, that's, that's some hostile stuff going on there. But you don't always have all that much time. This is, this is not a prayer of ignorance. This is not a prayer of just haphazardness. This is a prayer of known direction. You are knowing from the Word of God what you have to do. You've got to know your God and you've got to know the people you're praying for. You cannot pray in intercession for people you are ignorant of unless you pray for God to enlighten you. And God can do that. There have been times that has, that has occurred. I won't tell you that you can't do that. But you've got to get some enlightenment. You've got to know what you're, what you're up against. I mean, God wants people to intercede. He's looking for intercessors. So He'll help you out all He can. All right, that's the prayer of intercession. Now, what is supplication? Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is the prayer of supplication that Paul makes. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Any gap? Any hostilities? We're not dealing with that kind of stuff in supplication. Now, look at the first verse we read here very carefully. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... If he was praying the prayer of intercession, it would start something like this. After I heard of your lack of faith in Lord Jesus <laughs> and your total intolerance for all the saints. <laughs> right? But he is saying, because I have seen that you guys have grown so much in the Lord, because you are so much following after him, therefore I pray these things. The prayer of intercession is praying for the lost or those who are saved who have wandered off, the prayer of supplication is praying for saints in good standing with God. This is why the rules change. You do not deal with hostility in the prayer of supplication. There is no hostility, either from the people you are praying for or the God you are praying to. There's no hostility there. God's fine with them. God's, in, God's glad. Look at what they're doing. Now, here's another thing. The prayer of supplication does not involve things. You do not supplicate for someone to get a new house or a new car. You don't supplicate for those things. You get together and pray of agreement. You can get together and pray, uh, pray the prayer of petition or prayer of faith in some, some of those things. But you don't supplicate for them. At least I have no examples in the Word of God of anyone supplicating to get stuff. They get needs met. Things like that. That stays over in the area of prayer petition and the prayer of faith and the rules that govern that will govern those things and make sure you hold on to that. But supplication is not the same way. Because in the prayer of petition, how many times do you pray for a thing? 
at least you know, once, I mean, if you prayed, um, Smith Wigglesworth said, said if you prayed it seven times, <laughs> prayed six times in unbelief. But look at what he says in verse 16. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He's doing this on a regular basis, isn't he? See, the prayer of supplication, you can continually pray for someone. It's not following the rules of the prayer of faith. The prayer of petition, where it's you, you, you pray, you stand on that, and you go. This is different. This is why there's different rules. If you try and take the rules of the prayer of petition and put that into the prayer of supplication, you've got all kinds of mess. Plus, you're using it for different things. So look at some of the things that he's praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. And he goes on and talks about that. So these are, these are spiritual growth things. These are things for development of, of your spirit. That's what He's praying for. And the prayer of supplication is involved in these kind of things. So, the prayers here are for another believer when there is no gap. If there's a gap, we've got to go to intercession and follow those rules. Those, those uh, things that the Word of God tells us to do. But we have, I put it down into three things. Again, you might come up with a fourth or a fifth that you can add to it. But I think these three things cover it pretty well. Not saying that this is all this is all that there is to pray for in supplication, but these three things sure encompass most of the things we see in prayer and the Word of God. First thing is protection. In Luke twenty two, verse thirty one through thirty two. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, Paul also asked people to pray for him to be protected for safety and things like that. That's a prayer of supplication. And it's not like the prayer of faith where you just pray and, well, I believe that's done. Father God, I thank you that you're being with brother so-and-so today. Thank you for the way that you guide him. That any danger that is in his path, Father, you just begin to alert him to that. That his spirit just begins to become aware of what's around him. That's a prayer of supplication. For one who's a believer, there's no gap. They can hear from their, their spirit, so you can pray a certain way. You can't pray that for an unbeliever or a fallen believer because their spirit isn't in tune with God. But you can pray for a person who's a believer who's walking with God. I can pray that way. And I can pray it again tomorrow. And if the Lord brings it up to me, then you know, pray for brother so-and-so. I can begin to pray again. Father God, I thank you that you are protecting brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Thank you for your hand of protection that's on them. Because I don't fall under the rules of the prayer of petition. This is a different thing. This is a different type of prayer. John 17. John chapter 17. Now, if we were to go all the way back to verse 1 through verse 5, we would see that Jesus prays for Himself. He's praying for Him. It's okay to pray for you. If Jesus prayed for Himself, you certainly can pray for yourself, right? <laughs> but then in verse 6, 
he picks up and prays for his disciples. And we're going to get into that, but before we do, over in verse 20, I didn't write this down in your, in your outline, but over in verse 20, he says this, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, this is interesting. He can pray for those who will believe as if they're believers so that when they do believe, the things that He's praying will happen for them. Isn't that neat? Now, He's not praying that these things happen until they believe because he can't, you can't supplicate for a non-believer. He's praying that when others, that these disciples go out and witness to and they become born again and they believe, I'm praying for them. That they all may be one as your Father and I and are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. The day that the world may believe that you sent me. And he begins to pray these things. You can look at some of the things that he does. But isn't that neat? You can even pray for people that aren't born again yet. As if they were, so that when they do, <laughs> they get the benefit of the things you prayed for them. <laughs> well, you know God in time. He doesn't get restricted by that. But understand, he's praying for them that once they believe, these things will happen. Because you can't supplicate for unbelievers. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Any gap? Mm -mm. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. See, there's absolutely no gap. He's praying here. He's not praying about a single thing about a gap. Everything about his prayer about them is they've received this. They've learned this. They're walking in this. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. Because that would be a different prayer than what he's praying right now. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all are my, all, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. What's he doing? Praying protection. protection. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So he's praying for growth principles. He's praying for, praying for protection. And these are things that we can pray in the, in the prayer of supplication. Protection, growth. Go back over to Ephesians chapter 3. 
verse 14. For this reason, if you want to know the reason, go to the end of chapter 2. He lifts the reason for it there. He first said in verse 1, for this reason I, Paul. But then he got off on one of his little trails and followed that for a little bit. But then he comes on back. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, again, growth principles. Development principles. And this one really we put under development. But the three things, protection, growth, and development, are things you're going to be seeing very much in the prayer of supplication. That there are people that you've had influence over. And you certainly have the right to pray prayers of supplication for them. There are people who influence you or benefit you. And you certainly can pray prayers of supplication for them. You do not have to pray prayers of supplication to those who are under you in the faith. Not just for those that you are, that are born again because of you, or you're responsible directly for their spiritual growth, or somehow you're a teacher to them or a mentor to them. You don't just have to pray for those because Paul asked those who were subject to him in spiritual authority to pray for him. Prayers of supplication. Well, why wouldn't they? They benefited from that. So if they pray for Paul to grow and to be protected and to be developed and so forth, are they not the recipient of benefits from that? So surely they would, they would do that. And it's not like they are developing Paul. They're praying for him to be developed. He says, yeah, pray. Go ahead. Pray, pray prayers for me. And he even lists, you know, these are things you can pray for. I, we don't have all. There's a whole lot of scripture about supplication. I didn't try and get all of them out there for you. You can go back on and find them yourselves. But look at some of the things that Paul asked people to pray for for him on his behalf. And he asked people in the churches that he was under. They had a relationship there. Generally, prayers of supplication are made to people you have a relationship with. It can be a relationship as simple as a, a preacher that you hear on TV. You can pray prayers of supplication for them. It may be somebody, an author of books that you like and you want to continue to receive more revelation from them. You can pray prayers of supplication for the author of that book. You have a relationship between you and them just from reading the books that they have. That can be enough for it. But don't think you're going to be out there and just, oh, I'm just going to pull out some missionary on the other side of the, of the world and begin to supplicate for them. There seems to be every time in the Word of God that this occurred, prayers of supplication, that there was some kind of relationship, some kind of knowledge of, of that. Some kind of, something that was there that brought on some love and, and so forth. And, and uh, that's something that you ought to do. Not saying that you can't make prayers for people that you don't know anything about, but it'd be pretty tough for you to pray for them specifically in, in this area. Over in Colossians. We have another prayer. And you can just go through the Word of God a lot of times and just take a look at some of the prayers that have been offered and what they are are there to, to entitle for you. What they are there to, to do for you. And... and We've told you before, you know, pray the prayers of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. You can pray it for yourself, but you can also pray it for other people. 
and get the benefit of those things. So have those, have those things that work in your life. And take those prayers that are there and, and target them. I mean, Scripture, prayer is great. And we've told you before, pray the prayer of Ephesians. Pray the prayers of Colossians for yourselves. But pray them for other people. Now, I can pray for myself. Jesus demonstrated that in John chapter 17, 1 through 5. Pray for yourself. I can pray those things for myself. Father God, I want to grow in these things. And I can pray for that, but I can pray for others as well. And this prayer of supplication is praying for others, for these things that, they would, that you would grow in. So pray these, pray these things. Have the prayer of supplication. I think there's still some things that we're missing on your outline here. First off, there will be no hostilities here in this prayer. There's no hostilities here in this prayer. The subjects are doing what they know to do and are moving forward. The subjects are doing what they know to do and are moving forward. They're not there yet. But the reasons that they're not there yet are different than the ones you make intercessions for. Now over in Colossians chapter 1, let me read this for you. Verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Does this sound like it's a one-time prayer? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Again, here's the trigger. It's not disobedience. It's obedience. It's because they are walking in the things of God. Because of the hope which is, in, which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the Gospels, which has come to you, that is also in the world, and is bringing fruit, bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. Verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may, wa- that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And he goes on and talks about the things that are there. So supplication. You you make prayers of supplication for those who are saved only and those who are saved and in good standing with God. There's no gap to be bridged in the prayer of supplication. Now, in good standing doesn't mean that they're perfect. Thank God we don't have to be perfect to be in good standing with God. (laughs) Isn't that the good thing? We don't have to be rid of every single sin in our life to be uh, good standing with God. But we're dealing with the things that God has told us to deal with. We're walking in the things God has told us to walk in. Supplication. Make sure that you're out there praying for other people. There are always people in your life that you can make prayers of supplication to. The Word of God, as we started this last week, said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. All prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Too many Christians are stuck praying only for themselves. They're not praying enough for other people. You need to be praying for other people. Making intercessions for other people. Making prayers of supplication for other people. 
You can make prayers of supplication for people you know in church. You can make prayers of supplication for ministers that you know on TV, on radio, read their books, hear their tapes. <coughs> However it is, you make prayers of supplication for relatives that are walking with God. You make prayers of intercession for relatives that are not walking with God. That there's a gap that is there. And you can come and make intercessions for that. But supplications seems from the half from the, the, the Word of God are more repetitious than intercessions. I don't know that about anything else but just the examples that are there. Most times we have intercessions being made. It's, it's a one-time prayer. A couple of times you'll see it. They'll come back to it a few times, but most times it's just a one-time thing. They intercede, they close that gap, and then they go on. Once they deal with that gap, there's really no reason to pray the prayer of intercession anymore. That's the purpose of the prayer of intercession. It's to close the gap. Once you close the gap, once you bridge that gap, there's really no reason for the prayer of intercession. There's other things that that you need to do, but not necessarily that. Uh, I'm seeing some confused looks. I don't want to keep you confused on that. But supplications you'll make on a, you can make it every day for the same person. Giving thanks always. Remember First Timothy. Prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Sometimes you just go on down, sit on down and just give thanks. Father God, I thank you for the church family that I have. I thank you for the people that too many times we're sitting down grumbling about our church family. We ought to be thankful. <laughs> giving thanks always. I mean, Paul could be up there. He could be grumbling. Oh, I can't believe them Galatians. Oh, and those Corinthians, don't even get me started with that. Man. Th- but he doesn't do that. He's giving thanks. Too many times we sit around and we grumble and complain about, about people in the body of Christ. Give thanks for them. Too many times we sit on down and we grumble and complain because this ministers this way and that ministers this way and this one doesn't do this and this one doesn't do that. Glory to God. Just thank God. Father God, I thank you for Jesse DePlantis to be such an exhorter in my life for the way that he just causes me to be uplifted. Thank God for that. Thank God, Father, for people who come in my life and you just begin to name them off. Maybe, you know, Joyce Meyer, just the way that she got me off some of that stuff that I was in before and just perked me up and got me going. Thank God for Creflo Dollar. Thank God for Brother Fred Price. Thank, thank God for Brother Kenneth Hagin and the calling that he followed after. And, and just, you know, thank God for them. I don't get me mindful of all the faults and things and whatever else. Who cares? Father God, I thank you for the joy they brought in my life. I thank you for the knowledge they brought in my life. And just be giving thanks. How often? When was the last time that you just had a thanks session? Because First Timothy, First Timothy chapter two, verse one said, praying, giving thanks, intercessions, supplications. There's four different kinds of prayers there that were listed. We need to get involved in all that. Don't have grumble sessions. I have a Thanksgiving sessions. I thank God for brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and this one over here and this one over there. Thank God for them. And you know, they all have faults. Just every, every single person we have in the body of Christ has faults. Stop focusing so much on the faults and just be glad for what they bring. Just be glad for what they bring. Oh, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I, I hope it is this way from the way that I've talked about people that the guests we've had out here at church and the people that I know of, I, I'll bet you all think they're just total saints. And I hope you do. I hope the impression you get from me is that they are absolute total saints and there is not a single problem in their life. Mm. 
Because if I if you get any other impression, I'm not I'm not walking the way that I should. I want you to just to think, oh, that sister so and so and brother so and so, oh, they're just awesome. Oh, they're so, and it, just get what you can from them. Oh, just be glad, just be joyful. That's giving of thanks. Have those Thanksgiving sessions. Have those times when you are supplicating and you're taking those prayers in Ephesians chapter one, chapter three, Colossians chapter one, and just praying them for other people. Because it's real hard to not like somebody when you're praying for them. And you want their good. It's, it's just real tough for that. But the devil loves to get us out of, that, out of that mode and get over there where we're so focused on their problems and, well, they have this wrong and their personality this way and they do this and I don't like that and I wish I wouldn't do this. And I mean, we can get that way, can we? <clears throat> we can all get that way. But we're going to need to stand up against it. Follow the example that we're told of in First Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Be made for all. Oh, just get out there and, and, and know what you need. Father God, this one needs intercession. I'm going to stand in the gap. And when you stand in that gap and you bridge that gap, that gap is bridged. Go out there and be building it again. But you make supplication. You can always grow further in that. Can't they? Can always go further. Supplication, intercession. You cannot make supplication for unsaved people unless you do as Jesus did and pray for it in the future so that when they do get born again, then they receive it. But understand, you can, as much as your heart wants to be that, as much as you, oh, Father God, they need wisdom in this. Are they saved? No. Quit praying it. They cannot get that. Now, the only exception would be leaders. We are exhorted to pray for leaders and that they would make wise decisions because they would benefit us. Yep. So we can, and we can pray for that because that benefits. Father God, take that leader out there that's doing these, these things and give them your wisdom. They may not know it's your wisdom. They may not recognize it's your wisdom, but you give them your wisdom so they make good decisions so that I'm blessed. And things are beneficial for me. Be praying for that. That's a, that's a thing we do. So supplications, intercessions. Father, we thank you that we can pray for other people. That our prayers are not just to be for us. We can pray for ourselves. It's good to pray for ourselves. But it's also good to pray for others. So as Paul exhorted Timothy, that prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, we'll follow that too. And make sure that we walk that way. Thank you for the help that you give us in these prayers. That when we are interceding, we know what caused the gap and we deal with that in our intercession. When we're supplicating, we understand it's not the prayer of faith and it's not wrong for me to pray today and again tomorrow or whenever it is that I think of it. Thank you for the help that you give us on that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.